Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Building in Public Over Sharing. And before we get started, just a quick reminder here, it's Black Friday week or Cyber Week as it's called, which is hilarious. And I'm running a 50% sale on all of my books and audiobooks on Gumroad. So use the code BF21 at checkout for 50% off. And please just tell your friends and enemies, everybody who needs to build a business is, is welcome here. You can find my work at bootstrappedfounder.gumroad.com. And I'm really going to keep this short because I don't want to turn this into a big advertising um, podcast. <laughs> if you're listening to this after Black Friday week, still want to say thank you for listening. So use the code podcast for 20% off. And that's it. There's no gimmicks. There's no special events or anything. It's just a discount at Black Friday because I think that, that that's the best thing to do. Yeah. We could talk about this another time because um, there is a lot to say about this kind of advertising and uh, sales and discounts for digital products. But that is going to be another week. Today, I want to talk about oversharing. And let's just get started with this topic. I think there is an inflection point in many SaaS founders building public journey. And that's around $25,000 of monthly recurring revenue. That's when founders who have previously been very vocal about their revenue numbers stop sharing them. And I always wondered why that is. What makes successful founders retreat into secrecy? And I found that it's actually oversharing. And I'm going to explain all of this. And I think it's one of the most hard-to-balance activities when it comes to building a business in public. And it's not just about MRR figures. Oversharing takes many, many shapes. And I think it's worth exploring the act of oversharing itself and its consequences. So let's just start with what oversharing is. I think in essence, oversharing is the act of sharing either too much or the wrong content or both. You're oversharing whenever you share something that isn't creating mutual benefit for you and your audience. I think there's three distinct kinds of oversharing that I've um, come to notice in building in public, either from my own work or from just seeing other people oversharing some stuff. You'll find a lot of that if you just follow enough people. The first thing is the saturated feed. The second thing is what I call an audience message disconnect. And the third thing is the self-sabotage kind of share. So saturated feed, audience message disconnect, and self-sabotage. Let's just talk about all three of them quickly and then go into the, the consequences and opportunities and risks. I think for a saturated feed, it's, it's very clear. You'll establish a very narrow brand if all you talk about is one thing and nothing else. People will know you for just this one particular thing, and this will satisfy them in the short term. But over time, people change, and so will their expectations. If your content doesn't allow them to find what they're interested in at any given point, they will reach a level of oversaturation and then abandon your brand. In, in a way, they will graduate from you, right? They've learned all they can learn, and you're always talking about the same stuff, so there's nothing new for them. And then they're gone. Then they leave your audience. And that is what the saturated feed does. Now, the audience message disconnect is almost the other side of the spectrum here where the saturated feed is all about sharing the same exact thing. Audience, audience messages connect is about sharing two wildly different things, like too many wildly different things. And it's from like this kind of intent-centric point of view that you look, have to look at it. It's a mismatch between what you think is interesting, what you intend to share, and what your audience expects you to share. It's about expectations and how they are mapping on your reality. This kind of oversharing is perceived by your audience 
right? They, they notice that there's a disconnect because it doesn't feel right for them anymore. And the results in a disconnect between your messaging and its intended receiver, the people you want to reach. I'm going to go into detail, but let's just um, talk about the third one first, which is the self-sabotage share. If you look at oversharing through um, almost a consequentialist lens, sharing something that doesn't further your goals, but rather comes back to bite you, that's also oversharing. And this hurts you as the founder of the business because the recipients of your message use it against you. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples in a minute. So we have sharing all too much of one thing, too many different things, and then things that hurt you. Those are the three kinds of oversharing that I want to talk about. And not all oversharing is necessarily bad. I think, in fact, some oversharing might actually be needed to build a recognizable brand. That brings me to the opportunities of oversharing. I just want to start with the good stuff and then go to the risks later. Because just because there is risk doesn't mean you shouldn't share surprising things. Building in public is interesting because it exposes your audience to things that they were not aware of. People follow you for a reason. They want to know more about you than they already do. They follow you for new and exciting things, not for the same old classics. And the problem starts when the new and exciting things are neither new nor exciting for your audience. Hobbies are the usual suspect here. They may be new and exciting for you, just not the people who follow you. Because no matter how much you love to bake on the weekends, for example, it's not a great idea to share, I don't know, cake pictures with your entrepreneurial audience more often than you share insights on building a business, right? You're talking to entrepreneurs, not bakers. If you are building a baker audience, then talking about your business too much might actually confuse them because they want to see recipes and techniques and pictures of cakes. So it's really about um, what expectations there are and how you can map your content onto those expectations. And let's just stick with the baking example for a bit. Because if you if you run an entrepreneurial um, blog or something and you have an audience of entrepreneurs, you can still love to bake and share that. A recipe every now and then, perfectly fine. A picture of your latest cake experiment, probably quite appreciated by your followers because it shows that you're a person, like a full person, not just a persona. Your quirky little hobbies make you more relatable because everybody has them. Maybe not the same, but they can relate to the fact that there are hobbies somewhere. And people want to relate with the entrepreneurs that they're following or to people building an audience that they're following. It doesn't really matter if it's entrepreneurs or not. So, But you have to treat your hobby posts just like the icing on the cake, if you forgive this uh, really lame joke here. Don't drown people in it, right? Don't put more icing on the cake than actual cake. Leave plenty of room for substance because that's what people follow you for. And that's the central opportunity of sharing a bit more than just the usual stuff. You're building human-to-human relationships that are based on your unique set of interests and skills, both as a professional in whatever professional audience you're building and as an amateur in everything else. Get people excited for you as a full human being with flaws and imperfections, and then show them how you, as this person, still overcome the challenges and tribulations of building your business. Just don't drown them into your unique you stuff and then forget to actually share with them what they expect to share with you. And I think it's the dose that makes the poison. So let's talk about risk of oversharing here. If you tip this balance of content away from your professional expertise, you risk losing the focused attention of your audience. When you notice that people get confused by your content, try reverting to a more streamlined menu, right? Just go back to the things that you know that work and keep the quirky stuff a bit on the back burner. Don't give up the little surprises. They still 
are also expected in a way, but make sure they are outnumbered by the topics that your followers follow you for. And the same goes for sharing the same kind of content without mixing it up. You know, people's expectations are not set in stone. They change over time and everyone's preferences are unique. If you want to serve a lot of followers, you all, yeah, they will all need to find something in your content that satisfied their particular expectations. And I think you need to find this kind of Goldilocks zone of your audience. Not too much variation, because that starts to confuse your followers. Not too little variation, because that saturates your followers. It fills them up and leaves them just bored and hungry for more. But not from you, because you're not going to get them. But just the right amount in between. And personally, I try to keep 80% or so of my messaging on topic, which in my case is entrepreneurship and building public and just being a kind and supportive person. That's what I talk about most of the time. The other 20% or so of my content can be extremely random, but it will always be something meaningful to me. It can be anything from hobbies to hot takes about a TV show that I like or anything like that. I've been doing this just if you uh, scroll through my um, Twitter feed over the last couple of weeks. I've been talking a lot about Star Trek Deep Space Nine because that's the show that I've just been watching all the time. And then I, then I try to bring it back into the entrepreneurial space by talking about what I learned from that show that is interesting for entrepreneurs, for people who are building an audience, all that kind of stuff. There is always something to bridge your hobbies into entrepreneurship. It doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to do it. But I always try to at least kind of make it an, an adjacent topic. But for some things, like food that I like or just experiences that I have completely outside of my professional, professional life, I'm going to share that too without needing to connect it to entrepreneurship. And it's fine because it shows that I'm a person. And that is what's important when you're building a public. You Building a public means you, you, you built, right? It's not somebody is building a business in public, it's you. And that is important to just make a more 3D version of yourself available to people. Because as long as it allows my audience to see me as a full and genuine human being, anything will work. But I will also make sure that it doesn't overpower my educational or insightful content because that, again, is why people follow me in the first place. So that is, you know, the finding the balance. And so far, we've only talked about the saturation and perception-based oversharing. So from sharing too much of the same thing to sharing too many things the audience messaging disconnect, but there's also a real risk in sharing information that might cause damage to your business. And that's the third one that I want to talk about because this might be the most potentially dangerous one. It's not about your relationship with your audience anymore, but about how your audience uses the data you provide as you're building in public. And this is where you can overshare a self-sabotage. And that's a potential problem. So do listen up because this is important. Success invites imitation. Always does. And after a while, founders will have left a lot of traces of their success if they've been building in public. What attracted the right followers and customers initially now attracts the wrong kind of people. Copycats, competitors, and opportunists of all kinds. And the more you share the things you want to share, the more you also share the things you might want to keep secret. Information just oozes through, whether you want it or not. People come to their own conclusions, and they actually might be able to see the root causes of shifts in your data or customer behavior or whatever better than you can from the data that you have provided. You might not even be aware of what people can learn from what you share. 
And one of the biggest mistakes that you can make at this point is to share the raw data of your business. I've seen businesses share the most granular data, including per account purchasing data points. They were anonymized, but they also allowed keen observers to deduce cohort behaviors. It was really interesting. A couple of years ago, somebody was talking about sharing this and um, they were sharing their their full bare metrics data or what was it? Like just some really, really deep, even Stripe level data inside anonymized. And then other people were able to identify niche opportunities that their startup didn't address yet and then moved into that market. So always assume that someone out there can read your data better than you can. So either share them in a more general way or don't share them at all because not sharing revenue numbers at all will eradicate this risk. And I'm not talking about in the beginning when you have like $10 MRR. It's no validation or not much validation in a little tiny amount of money. But if you get to 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in monthly recurring revenue and you still share all the granular data, there's going to be a lot of data that people can sift through and find trends that you may not be spotting and then move in. And that is um, one of the main reasons that businesses at that point, some 20, 30-ish thousand dollars recurring revenue, stop sharing those numbers. And I'm going to talk about this, oversharing in the wild, because I think I want to share those examples with you so you can do your own research and how other people think about this, and then stop sharing when you are at that happy point, right? It's kind of a bittersweet moment that you have to stop sharing, but at the same time, you're 20-some, $30,000 MRR, so that's kind of cool. Anyhow, Justin Jackson is the person I want to talk about because he talked about this when he explained why Transistor, the the business, the SaaS business that that he co-founded, stopped sharing their revenue figures um, a couple of years ago. It was very useful to share their early journey with other founders in the community. It was very motivational for others to see the Transistor founders struggle and overcome challenges. I certainly enjoyed it. And they stopped sharing because having their numbers open started to encourage new competitors to enter their market. And that is a problem. Like if you invite competition, you may as well make it a little bit harder than giving them everything they need to validate their stuff, right? It's just at some point, you don't want to encourage competitors too much. And sharing everything about their business also caused Justin to feel stressed about having to perform something instead of just thinking critically when interacting with his audience. He said, I remember from the, the podcast that he and, and John Buda were running and he was talking about this. Um, he was saying that everybody he talked to knew what figures Transistor was running on. They knew exactly what happened and if it went up or down. And that was super stressful because now Justin had to keep up with this even more so he could defend himself or, or argue for or against certain things when people talk to him. And I bet in that situation, when you're running a business that is in the twenty, thirty thousand dollar MRR range, you have a lot to do. And I mean, I know this because Peter Canada, the business that I co-founded with my partner Danielle, when we came to twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars MRR, we were busy people. Like it was just me and her running the business. I assume that uh, Justin and John are also building this together. Um, just. Um, as two people with a couple of contractors and maybe one or two engineers somewhere, that you have a lot of work to do at that point. Like you have a lot of customers that you need to take care of. You have a lot of business opportunities that you need to say yes or no to partnerships and all kinds of projects. Like then people 
talking to you about your numbers and you having to defend them, that's not fun and also doesn't fit into your time budget. So it is stressful to begin with to run a SaaS business like this at this stage where you have a fledging team. It's still a small team. So you don't, you don't want to be overstressed just from having conversations. Right? And it's good to stop sharing at that point. And that's kind of when they became more selective about what they shared. And I believe there are diminishing returns for those later stage businesses when they are sharing every single data point, particularly the monthly recurring revenue. Because here's another thing, the attention grabbing potential of sharing revenue decreases. As most people who are in the entrepreneurship world, they're just focused on the early, highly volatile days of a new business anyway. People enjoy this adventurous vision of new beginnings and follow those companies more, but the journey gets much more repetitive the longer founders are on it. And there's less appeal to see a business go from, I don't know, $36,000 MRR to $37,000 MRR, just compared to the incredible accomplishment of getting from $0 to $5,000. It's just not the same. And the marketing potential of this wanes as well, as more mainstream customers are now supplanting the early adopters. After all, a six-figure business is quite likely making waves in the market that you're in, and new customer segments find the service. If you if you look at the you know the the innovators, early adopters, mainstream customers, laggards, and late adopters, you will now go into the mainstream customers, and fewer of those will be interested in the founder and the business over the service rendered. They're interested in the service and what it can do for them. So yeah, there's less marketing potential of sharing anything at that point. At the same time. Founders, and I mentioned this just now, will be juggling many more things at the later stages of running a business. Because initially there was building the product and doing initial marketing and even building a public as a marketing or as an um, entrepreneurship event or strategy. But now there are hundreds or thousands of customers to help and partners to coordinate with and employees to train and I don't know, sharing with an audience that is less and less interested in numbers and more excited to hear strategies and insights becomes a lower priority item because the impact is not as immediate and you have other things to do. And there's another example here. John Youngfuck recently experienced the same mindset shift live on Twitter, which I love about this whole building a public thing. You can literally see people changing their thinking. He stopped sharing his MRR because of the increasing complexity of his business, Banner Bear. And because there are now more factors at play, an increase in the MRR figure can't be attributed to a single action anymore. Because for a solo founder with a simple high-margin business, yeah, the MRR is pretty close to how much the founder makes from his efforts. You can kind of see like somewhere between 75 and maybe 95% of that number is what they take home. And then taxes and whatnot. But, you know, it has a, a pretty fair correlation between those two numbers. Because this, yeah, it's just one founder. He doesn't really need to pay other people. He might need to pay for hosting and stuff. But that is usually quite cheap in those stages. Because, yeah, yeah it's just what it is. But this number loses its meaning when it diverges too much from the actual earnings. You know, that, yeah, when you have to hire people, for example, you hire somebody and all of a sudden your costs shoot way up. Obviously, your MRR probably is going to grow much more because now you have two people working on the same business, but it just doesn't really correlate anymore. The higher your MRR, the more does sharing that number turn into self-indulgent success signaling too, right? That's a perception thing from uh, the side of your audience. The higher the number, the less instructional content can be contextualized to it. So I guess as John is already quite busy building a business that's ready to serve enterprise customers, he just doesn't find the time to share his figures 
with this founder audience anymore. And I think that's all right. I think that's okay. We change our approach to business over time and different business stages require different building public priorities. And it's around this $30,000 MRR mark that previously one person businesses starting to hire. And the moment you involve more people in your business, the more you will need to coordinate. People also cost money and the increased expenses will impact the bottom line of the business. It's often assumed that a solopreneur keeps most of the profits, like I said, 75, 95%, particularly when they're running high margin businesses like a SaaS, like a low touch or no touch SaaS. The MRR will reflect most of their earnings at this point, but once you factor in payroll, earnings are heavily affected by the compensation levels of the kinds of employees that you hire. So sharing your MRR doesn't show profitability as clearly as it did before. And I think for your building public journey, this is a great opportunity because it allows you to branch out into sharing different, more later stage tidbits about your business. Instead of just sharing numbers, you can share experiments and new learnings. Hiring people is often scary. I certainly found it super scary and likely something founders haven't done before. And people are always interested in learning about your experiences with that. And the same goes for onboarding these new hires into your business and how did that affect your processes? Were you prepared enough or did you find new roadblocks? Did you have to set up new processes? That is interesting. Not a number, but a story. So tell those stories to your audience and they'll be much more interested than if you just posted another graph of your revenue going up. Instead of sharing the success stories, share the war stories and the learnings from them. Otherwise, building in public is nothing but a glorified marketing gimmick. And I don't think anybody wants that. So share the conflict, challenges, not just the celebrations. That's the true community contribution that you give by building in public. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Booster Fund podcast. You can find me on Twitter at AvidKahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootsofrunner.com. You can find my book Zero to Sold at zerotosold.com and Embedded Entrepreneur at embeddedentrepreneur.com. Again, Black Friday sale is going on. BF21 is the code. Go to Gumroad and check out the books and audiobooks there. If you have any questions about the episode, reach out on Twitter, send an email to arvid at thebootsofrunner.com. If you want to support me and the podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.